everyone, and welcome to our Municipal Art Society podcast, the series where we celebrate the city we love so much, the very same city that drives us right up the wall sometimes. I'm your host, Audrey Gray, and I'm so pleased to be joined today by a writer, photographer, basically a one-man compendium of wild and often beautiful secrets about New York, all five boroughs. Just in the last three years, Tam Reeves has turned out not one, but two books, Secret New York, An Unusual Guide, and Secret New York, Curious Activities. We're going to hear all about them. But first, I want you to hear his voice. Reeves, hello. Hi. Um, TM Reeves, very authorly name. Or do you reveal what the TM stands for? Or um, no? Can not, I guess? Not now, but I know that's a very English <laughs> thing to do. Kind of Is it? it? Yeah. Is it uh, Thelonious I, Monk? It, it's because, uh, you know what his real name was? What? His middle name? Have you ever heard this? No. Sphere. I just have to put that out there. Most people... <gasps> Should just have that re- ready, that little factoid that, that Thelonious Monk's middle name was Sphere. Love. Um, no, my every, since high school, everybody calls me by my last name. So that's just kind of, okay. if you say my first name, I don't even turn around. All right. Well, we don't know it, so we won't say it. We'll just call you Reeves, too. Um, tell me your coming to New York story first, and then we'll dig into your secrets. Um, sure. Uh, <laughs> how'd you get here? Um, I came here actually the first time that ever, uh, when I arrived in New York, I knew that I was coming to live here, which I think is maybe a, a different experience from most folks. I didn't, I never been here as a tourist. I, I knew that I sort of had a gig lined up and I needed to find an apartment and needed to kind of get a life started. And, uh, how so, old were you at that point? Uh, that was, uh, to, um, I was in my mid thirties, early thirties. Yeah. I'm not sure how old I am right now. Hmm. And where'd you grow up? Uh, in California. Okay. And this was, um, so I was looking at it through very critical eyes because I thought, okay, I'm stuck with this place no matter what happens. I, I, and I was kind of averse to the big American city. I hadn't lived in a lot of them that I liked. And um, it took five minutes and I knew that everything was going to be just fine. I think I think my brother took me to Bryant Park and something strange happened in Bryant Park. Something clicked for me and I realized that it was not like any place I'd ever been. It wasn't uh, like a man with a machete, was it? No, no it wasn't. It wasn't, there was, it wasn't anybody with a, with a wild look in his eye and bad ideas. No, it was uh, something, I, just, just the way the, the, the buildings chimed with the ground. There was just something about that place. Uh, I joke with my friends that Bryant Park still has this weird control over me. Bryant Park is the place in the city where I never know where north is. Hmm. It has a, this almost magical effect on my compass. It feels like the library would be north, yeah? yeah there's something wrong with it, right? I right. think it's because the, blo- the, the the length of the park you think must be on a north-south axis or and something. And those big, gorgeous trees are running east-west, well, I yeah, guess. Yeah, those London plane trees, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so when I was there, I, I felt something magical align. And um, for me, I knew, I, I had no doubt. I, I thought I could, just, I could live here as long as uh, I needed to. Yeah. Wow, you fell for it. Yeah, I guess you could say. It's cool. I was reading um, your Amazon uh, customer reviews of your book, and I love this one. He said, TM Reeves will make you fall in love with New York City all over again, and that's a wonderful affair to start over. Hmm. That's that's good. That sounds like, I hope that it was was someone who wasn't too jaded. (laughs) I like this this rediscovery thing. I think that that's that's kind of what I'm all about. It's... um, um, maybe not exactly rediscover, but maybe open, crack something open where you, th- where you see something that you didn't know was there all the time. Uh, I guess that's kind of the, in the sense of you look on something with fresh eyes, but maybe this is just truly to, to uh, open you to a, a dimension that you didn't know was exactly there that just kind of quivered below the surface of everything, and all you really needed was a, the tiniest puncture, and all of a sudden this, this new experience comes out. 
That's what that's to me the big idea in your in in both books, which is you just never know what's behind a door, <laughs> like what's under a manhole cover in this town. Yeah. You know, you can go really deep if you scratch the surface really gently. Really, uh, really deep, deep in time. One of my favorite ones. I was just walking here just now through Rockefeller Center, and that's one of my very very favorite ones. The 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 stone that clads the Rockefeller Center and the Empire State and the Met is Indiana limestone. And this is precisely what I'm talking about. You, you stand at 40 paces and it's just this arrangement of buildings. You get a little bit closer and you look at the details. You have to get your nose up to it to realize that this is a carpet of fossils. Uh, all of the stone there is these tiny little organisms. You can discern shells and, and all sorts of little tiny creatures. And it was the bottom of uh, the ocean uh, millions and millions of years ago. And so that's all you really need is the tiniest suggestion to go there and go close in and, and witness something that you had no idea was right before your eyes. Do you think you just, is that just sort of your natural take on your environments or, I mean, you got this gig, right? You were, oh, tell the story because I love it. You were in Venice and you met a publisher yeah, who wanted this book? I, I was in Venice and I was a, a good friend of mine as a translator. He's actually my translator and he um, had been translating these books from uh, English and Italian into French for a French publisher who had specialized in these uh, secret books. And so he had done several Euro uh, European capitals and regions. And uh, he had never kind of uh, gotten into the American market yet. And so I looked at these books and I thought I was really, I was impressed with the, I was impressed with the idea, with the kind of the, the, um, the governing intelligence of it, that someone decided that this is a, uh, a guidebook for the rest of us. This is a guidebook for the people who don't want to, who have, you know, already the resources to discover the things that everybody can discover. This is for the people who want to go a little bit deeper. And of course, it's perfectly suited for locals who want to kind of enjoy their where they live a little bit more. So I thought, hmm, this is a nice idea. If I ever had to write a guidebook, it would be kind of in this line. And um, when I, I'd stayed in, I was, I was on a writing project there for three months. When I got off, um, when I came back to the States, uh, almost immediately I was contacted and asked if I wanted to do the first American book. And that, of course, would be New York City. I can't imagine a a better inauguration for the project. Seriously, yeah. Maybe New Orleans, but there's a few, but this <laughs> yeah. is definitely the first one. <laughs> this is a great place yeah. to start. I like the setup of the book. So these guide, these secret New York guides, you've got a photograph on the left-hand side. It's almost like a very cool blog, <laughs> a tactile blog. you got a photo on the left-hand side, and then the right-hand side is about 400 words, your words, um, about a secret. Um, and they're just really fun to read and short. Um, can I dive in? Can we, can I read one? Go crazy. Um, all right. So this one's called Elevated Acre. It takes a skewed relationship with nature for a city to exalt a small rectangle of plain grass. That's the situation at Lower Manhattan's Elevated Acre. The name alone has a worshipful resonance. The secret patch of green might be all that's between the more sensitive of the financial district office crowd and total melancholy. When the sun is strong, the grass seems a little like a trick, as though at any moment it could shimmer and dissolve into the ugly roof the city wants it to be. It doesn't matter exactly how much nature has been tucked away here or how many people are enjoying it. In the morning, it could be zero. Or that the grass is actually, actually permanently emerald astroturf. <laughs> the attraction is the pleasure in seeing urban traits, height, geometry, modernity, aligned with the concept of a humble lawn. It's marvelous or terrible, depending on your mood. Really nice writing. Right, 
All right, so what is this thing? There's a patch of AstroTurf somewhere in the financial district. Yeah, you, I, the, one of the best things about this is actually the approach. Um, I'm sure from a helicopter, it's not, it looks kind of interesting, but it's not nearly as impressive. I believe it's Water Street 55 is the address, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, you'll yeah, let's look it up. I got it. Yeah, you can take the NRR train. Yeah, 55 Water so Street. So you enter through this, you look like you're walking into just up a, it's a, kind of a very ample elevator, uh, escalator, sorry, where you go un, into this building, and you really, all of the buildings there are these gigantic monsters, and you don't think for a second that you're going to kind of come out the other side onto a nicely arranged, uh, I guess you could call it relaxing space, recreational area. I don't know. I've seen <laughs> people do all kinds of things on the grass there. One of the great things about it is to, you appreciate the grass, you see the people, there's people off to the sides, there's various benches and stuff like that. Uh, but there's also one of the main heliports, like right under it. So you have this whooshing and you see the bridges and you see the East River and you have this very urban experience of activity and and ferment and all kinds of things happening all around you. But uh, someone is really trying to seize a moment of, <laughs> of calm within yeah. this, in the center of the eye of the storm. And that's really what it feels like. It feels like you're, you're at the center of something. Um, Little Zen postage stamp. Yeah, absolutely. Zen postage, not bad. <laughs> exactly. That is what it is. Yeah. How'd you find it? In fact, how did you find all these secrets? Did you start wandering? Did it's you get I was tips? wondering if you were going to ask me that because I was, I was just asking myself. I can't remember. I think that a friend, I think a friend told me, someone who worked uh, on, I don't know, Wall Street yeah. or something. And um, uh, for most of these, I don't know, it was a lot of reading. I spent a lot of time in the New York Historical Society uh, 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 library. And I think um, I already had about a quarter of them in the bag. They're just things that I had been uh, impressed by and things that I thought, you know, the kinds of things that you, you keep your own little list of things that you like to tell people who want sure. to discover the city. And the I real New few. York, my New York. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the, yeah. the one that like, no one's going to tell you this and you have this juicy fact. And you, right, and, right. And you kind of sit on it for a while. And those also, those are really fun to unleash. My brother has a favorite one. Uh, and this is, uh, this is, this is very much his style. I think it's great. It's uh, he lives uh, in the East village and, um, he will walk people to the address one, two, three Avenue B. And this is the monument that wasn't because this was originally the name for Sesame street. And they figured oh. it was too, something too daunting about the numbers or something like that. So they changed the name, but everyone today would know one, two, three, uh, Avenue B, except they don't because they decided right. to call it Sesame street. So, Oh, I love it. All right, let's, hear, let's talk about some more of the secrets. I want to tell you my favorites, too. Um, one of my favorites was, was, is that there was a snuff mill in the Bronx. You even mm. had the recipe for snuff. I was, <laughs> because I've never the recipe tried for snuff, snuff is but so I'm amazing. dying that, to now. I, I want to put that in my nose immediately. Yeah, what it's was like a, leaves vanilla, drenched in rum, yeah, maple cardamom yeah, or something, chamomile. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, the reason I think I like that is because uh, I think we forget how popular snuff was. And uh, I think that we forget also, we tend to, we want to relax the connection between the United States and uh, the tobacco industry. And you can't, it's just there. I think I noted mm, in the article that, there. for example, uh, Virginia used to use tobacco as a currency practically. So um, uh, I think this is this interesting little connection to really colonial United States. And of course it's been completely, now they've, they've, they've cleaned up the image. They don't tell you what it's for when you go to the, it's in the middle of the Bronx Botanical Garden. Oh, so and, the New York um, Botanical Garden, there's this lovely little stone yeah. home. There's a beautiful little bridge, and there's the Bronx River, and you look on the other side, and you see this, you don't know what, but it looks old, and it's made of stone, and it's... It's, it's, it's a snuff it's, mill. It's impressive. 
But, and it's a snuff mill. You <laughs> won't see that. You won't see that written. No, no, you won't see it written anywhere there. When I was there, there was just a guy in a bow tie serving a drink. I'm not sure what they were doing there. But, right. Um, I love that it's in the Bronx. Well, you should do of then. Like, take a nice look at it, then turn your back to it and walk over the bridge and go back into the garden where you'll see, you know, chipmunks and yeah. owls and old growth forest and amazing, amazing stuff. The only old growth forest in the, in the entire city. A true canopy style, what ecologically kind? certified old growth forest. What kind of trees? Uh, all kinds. I mean, you can oaks. What they, what they do that's very nice is that they keep out the trees that aren't native. Like the, there's no, you know, Norway maple isn't there, for example. Right. So they try to make it as much as it could be uh, what a, a, someone in the 18th century would have seen. You're kind of like a closet naturalist, yeah? Like so many of your secrets have, have super... Well, not anymore. Interesting. Well, out of the closet naturalist, yeah. Um, one, I really liked... I, I should mention that you do some TED Talks, too. You've done two. Uh-huh. You did um, TEDx Isolan and TEDx Gowanus. Um, and I just mentioned that because they're really fun to listen to. They're both short. They're like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, there's one on Gowanus, and I want to talk about... Sure. Gowanus with you because I live right near there. I want to hear your thoughts about canoeing down the Gowanus Canal. <laughs> right. But um, but I wanted to start with your talk on Central Park because you had this wonderful quote and I, I just loved it. I was repeating it to my kids too. You said, nature doesn't know it's in a perfect rectangle. Yeah, I think this is the whole trick of Central Park. Central Park is this, and at the end of the talk, I say that that's what's so impressive also about this was kind of so striking and so interesting about Central Park is that it's, um, it's this piece of nature quarried out of uh, geometry. And yeah. it's, it's impressive in every direction. I'm really knocked out by Central Park. I think it's the, the, I think it's the masterpiece of the city. I absolutely love it. I'm sorry. We're going to have to have a little battle over that because Prospect Park oh, might no. be, give you a really wow. good right. came later. Talk about They got a, it right Talk the about a chaotic time. profile. I'm just telling you, <laughs> I, that, that, isn't, that doesn't wash with me. <laughs> you know, the, certainly there were big fights to keep Central Park Central Park. I mean, I know mm. there were plans to run a highway right through it at different times. And yeah, there's been a lot of, uh, but you know, it's now it's, 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 it's untouchable. It's, it's well, sacrosanct. I don't think anything can happen to Central Park. Shadows can happen. Yeah, we'll see. What are some of the secrets in Central Park that, that uh, enticed you? Uh, one of the things I was most impressed with in Central Park is how um, geological it is. And there are geologists who have truly, who have made, who have made it the, the bedrock of their career. I'm sorry to do that. I'm absolutely <laughs> terrible. That was kind of, I, I, yeah. Why? I feel like there's such because it's so, greater nature preserves in the United States. There is so much visible geology there. There's the, the, the Manhattan schist is poking up all over the place in interesting ways. And these guys are experts at reading exactly what's happening. What, One is, of the things what that, is Manhattan schist? So uh, Manhattan uh, as a, as a landmass is really composed of one rock. It's a, I think the, the, the full name is Manhattan Mica Schist. Uh-huh. And um, Schist is just the name of S-C-H-I-S-T. And um, except there's a little bit of uh, marble in the north. And um, starting in Inwood, there's a tiny bit of marble. And if you look right over to the Bronx, then you, you, see, you can see marble like right there. Um, so we're talking about these giant boulders that the kids climb on, that we all that climb on. Any rock that you see kind of coming out of Manhattan dirt yeah. is going to be Schist. And any building that you see that's sort of gray and sparkly is probably built of schist. St. Paul's is a great uh, 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 example of that. But you have um, these uh, these masses that come out of the you know out, that are the ground. They come out of the ground. But what you're looking at is the skeleton of of Manhattan. 
And one thing that you can do yourself, you can see that it's very often striated, and the striations will almost always be on a north-south axis because that was the direction of the, the glaciation, the thing that you know, the glaciers scoured the terrain and they left these marks. And you, that's something you can very, very easily verify for yourself. Um, and so glaciers do two things. They scour and they also deposit. And you can find these enormous boulders in Central Park, which I love. They're called glacial erratics, which is a <laughs> terrible name for a, a, a punk rocker. I like that name. I was yeah. going to say, that's my band name. Um, <laughs> the glacial the, erratics. They, they're, it's, you'll find a different kind of rock perched on top of Manhattan schist. Oh, so I've when you seen look those. At, those just random, yeah. huge boulders uh, sitting. Sheep Meadow has some pretty good ones. Yeah. And, so you'll you'll see these, and you, you that's one of the things I like about this. So this this taps into again what we were talking about of noticing something that you didn't know before. Um, you can look at them one thousand times in a row and not realize that there's something kind of goofy going on. Or why is this gigantic boulder? Someone had to have put that there, or something had to have put that there, and it turns out to be a glacier twelve thousand years ago. But uh, I think that's to connect all of a sudden very vividly with the deep past. Um, it does the same thing for me that the, the fossils in the Rockefeller Center do, for example. Now, your second book's about, it's called Curious Activities. This may be the most curious of all. You, did you actually get, uh, like, water level in the Gowanus and Kineo? Water level. I got, this is, the only time in my life that I, this is the only time in my life that I've ever walked into my apartment and then just walked straight into a shower. Yeah. And with, ev- just with everything. Like a deacon. Oh, yeah, put, put, put my camera down and just walked straight into the shower. Yeah. Um, it's, it smells like a toilet because it's basically a toilet. It depends on which side you're at, though. I mean, aficionados of the Gowanus Canal will say, hey, but not on the East River side. There, it only smells a little bit like a toilet. Um, but there is raw sewage that goes into the canal Oh, absolutely, still. yeah. This is and a, industrial yeah. stuff. Well, and this is that famous runoff situation that when it rains, it overburdens the system, and then yeah. the sewage flows directly out of these, uh, what are they called, catchments? This is some strange word. I think they're called catchments. At any rate, there are more of these. These are basically these tubes that lead straight from the sewage system into the the you know, New York's native water. Uh, there are more of these along Gowanus Canal than anywhere in the entire city. And you can see them and you can, I mean, they're, yeah, they're just n- these huge aromatic pipes. I, I love the the line you, you said, I forget if you were working with, with um, some sort of um, pros who said they had delved into the bottom of the Gowanus Canal and it, there wasn't really a bottom at all. Yeah, yeah. What was it? It, it was just it just basically went from water to more a dilution of slime to slightly thicker slime to let's get out of here because this is getting really. really it's strange. like black goo <laughs> yeah, down it's there. Goo. It's goo. It's and goo. It's, you know, people talk about cleaning it up and they just built Whole Foods by it and people mm. will sit there and drink their coffee and you know have well, a bagel by the canal. It's a lovely little like bench area but can it be cleaned you think and they oh certainly it can be i mean it's sure of course it can be cleaned it just needs the it needs a lot of money it needs the effort but it's recently become a super fun site and the 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 the, the whole reason behind canoeing the guanas canal is actually quite beautiful because you're doing this dire kind of strange and crazy thing uh you you're and I don't want to overstate, like there are parts of it that are absolutely idyllic. There are parts of it that are yeah, beautiful. Yeah, people get married there now. <laughs> sure. They do. I'm I, not I didn't, making that I didn't, up. It's not that idyllic for me, but I, I think that um, <laughs> there are parts of it that are strikingly beautiful when the sun's right. And it's a, it's a wonderful uh, balance of industry and you yeah. can't quite call it natural. Although in the mists of history, it is natural. It's, it's a, now it's a fully bordered canal type water. But um you know, so I don't want to overstate the, the grossness, but it is, you know, pretty gross. And the, the thing that's so 
interesting about this push to have people come out and canoe on it is to just raise awareness. If you can make people use it, well, that's when the attention comes, and with the attention comes the money, and with the money comes the cleanup. So it's this beautiful, you can contribute. By being kind of freaked out by this weird canoeing trip, you can, you're contributing to its remedy. So that's, I think, that's something that's kind of, kind of a beautiful little arrangement there. All right. Are you ready, Reeves? Let's Lightning round. Okay. Tell us your fondest hope for New York City. My fondest hope. Um, I just want to st stay weird. I want it to stay strange. I, um, oh, you want it to stay strange? I want strange. it to stay strange. Oh. I want to be, to, to be surprising and individual. And uh, you turn a corner and there's that shop. And you turn this other corner and it's that shop. And it's not a Dwayne Reed. And it's not a Chase Bank. And it's a thing. And that's what I miss. Uh, when, I, when, I, when, a, when something gets replaced by, something, by an agent of uniformity, I, I feel hugely let down. What's one place that you'd like to see preserved for all time? This is kind of tricky. Um, I think that, th I mean, this has to be very individual. This is not, this is not going to be anybody else's. But um, I, there are certain places in the city where I, that do something for me for whatever reason. And one of them is the, the Koi Pond in Central Park. I don't know why. I think it's because the, the first 11 times that I found it, it was an accident. I'm like, ah, here's that... Hey, there's that koi pond. Where is it exactly? I'm not saying. You go there. <laughs> you you go there in January, and there's a layer of ice, and you think, oh, but certainly, but there they are. There's the the orange shadow of koi under the layer of ice. I just I, I I love this place. I don't know what it is about it. Um, and the other one is if I can do throw a little commercial in for the donut pub on 14th and 7th. I just love that place. I don't know why it's not. There's nothing super special about it, but that's where I go to recharge my soul. All right, though they get preserved for all time. What's one thing you'd like to see disappear forever? Scaffolding. Oh. Uh, I have an almost perverse hatred of scaffolding. Uh, I, don't, I won't walk under them. Uh, this was amusing to my friends the first 15 times. Uh, and then <laughs> it's, um, you know, the local law 11, where you have to have scaffolding because the building has, the facade has to be checked. And it's because a girl was killed uh, in 1980 by a piece of falling masonry. Um, but I think that we should all calculate the risk together and say, hey, I would rather walk in a walkable city than deal with the one in a 10 trillion chance that I'm going to get hit on the head by a brick. And I realize that there are reasons for it. I don't have any good remedy for it. But I, I just hate the scaffolding. All right. Last question. Ready? Mm -hmm. Your day off fantasy. What would you do... With a free day in New York City, no obligations, no books to write, just you in this town. Well, here's this one that I have to pull the rug out for me because that's my job. So the, my, my day free is um, frozen yogurt and like a novel. That's, that, that's, that's, Where? Uh, Where are you reading that novel? Probably The Couch. By the Koi Pond. No, I, I really feel that I'm lucky enough that, I, that all my days off are those days. And um, yeah. sometimes it's a bit onerous because you feel the, you feel the weight of... Discovery has its own kind of gravity and its own, its own rules, and uh, it's kind of fraught. Well, not all the secrets are happy secrets, for sure. You've mm. probably encountered... I mean, a lot of our history is rough. Sure, yeah. A lot of our present, too. That's true. Um, but no, I, I would say just more um, trying, to stay, trying to stay fresh on it and, and yeah. continually have the eyes open. Uh, it's, it's an exercise that's definitely worth doing, and I'm lucky to be able to do it kind of... Uh, Kind of, I don't know if I wouldn't say as a living, but uh, yeah, it's my gig. Yeah. Are you going to do another one, you think? 
I don't know. It depends. Is this place interesting enough? I don't know. I would I say so. you probably have a few more hundred I secrets so, you could yeah. find. Maybe, maybe. Keep yeah. digging. No, never say never. Well, thank you so much for your time Thanks with us, for Reeves. Me. I appreciate it. Um, all right, so here are the names of Reeves' two books again. I wanted you to hear them. Secret New York, An Unusual Guide, and Secret New York, Curious Activities. Um, you can find out more about him, which you should, by the way. We didn't even mention he's written a novel in French. Um, <laughs> just, you know, also did that. Um, and you got to see his photography, too, because it's a big part of these books. And so you can find all of that out at his website, um, tmreeves.com. And I want to spell it for you because it smelled like Rives. It's T-M-R-I-V-E-S dot com. Again, T-M-R-I-V-E-S dot com. And you can always find out more about the Municipal Art Society, too. It's really easy. Our site is M-A-S dot O-R-G, M-A-S dot O-R-G. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast today. We'll do it again soon. 